I just saw another plane coming in from the side. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. History's Highlights Why do so many conspiracy theories arise? Think of all the world-changing events that have occurred within modern history. Are any of them not linked with conspiracy theory? 9-11, JFK, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X and Lyndon B. Johnson all have conspiracy theories regarding a higher power. Why is that? I believe that this stems from fear. Fear that the world isn't in control. People like to believe that power resides with kings, governments or leaders of big organisations. People don't like the idea that any ordinary man can change the course of the world. There is one ordinary man, however, who arguably changed the course of the world more than any person ever. The man who took the shot that killed 100 million people. Gavrilo Princip. Now I want to go back and clarify something. Some of you may have realised that I'm talking about World War I. Now I need to make it clear, there were not 100 million people killed in World War I. But like a stack of dominoes tumbling, World War I has either been a direct cause or a factor in every major event in the 20th and 21st century. And when you look into those numbers, the dead in World War II, the dead in the communist movement, and the dead in civil wars, those numbers easily surpass 100 million. Now to put those numbers into perspective, 100 million is about the combined population of Canada and the United Kingdom today. Imagine if every single person within the United Kingdom and Canada were to die at the hands of one man. That is the power that Gavrilo Princip had in his hand that day. An ordinary 19-year-old boy set into motion the biggest event in global history and will continue to change events for centuries. The great Prussian diplomat Otto von Bismarck once said, One day the Great European War will come out of some damned foolish thing in the Balkans. And it went exactly as he predicted. That damned foolish thing, however, is like something straight out of a James Bond movie. Imagine this. A group of young men in a secret criminal society are all sat together in a cafe in Sarajevo. One of the group enters the cafe, walks over to them, and sits down, holding a package. They open the package together, and out falls a newspaper clipping. No note, no explanation, just a newspaper clipping. And all that's on this clipping is the announcement of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand's arrival into Sarajevo. And at that moment, that young group of men planned an assassination. Now that feels like something straight out of a movie, right? Well, that's how it actually happened. And we have the account of someone who was actually there on that day to prove it. From Borjov Jevcic, one of the group that day, quote, The little clipping declared that the Austrian Archduke Franz Ferdinand would visit Sarajevo capital of Bosnia, on June 28th to direct army manoeuvres in the neighbouring mountains, 
How dared Franz Ferdinand, not only the representative of the oppressor, but in his own person an arrogant tyrant, enter Sarajevo on that day? Such an entry was a studied insult. June 28th is a date engraved deeply in the hearts of every Serb. It is the day on which the old Serbian kingdom was conquered by the Turks at the Battle of the Almsfeld in 1389. It is also the day on which, in the Second Balkan War, the Serbian arms took glorious revenge on the Turk for his old victory and for the years of enslavement. That was no day for Franz Ferdinand, the new oppressor to venture to the very doors of Serbia for a display of the force of arms which had kept us beneath his heel. Our decision was taken almost immediately. Death to the tyrant. End quote. Now what he's explaining there is why they made the decision to kill the Archduke. The group of young assassins were Slavic, and they believed in Yugoslavia, a unified Slavic nation, or at least Slavic people free from the rule of non-Slavs. Now if you look at Slavic countries on a map, you'll see them all across Eastern Europe, Russia, Bosnia, Serbia. However, in 1914, the Austro-Hungarian Empire ruled over many of these countries, Bosnia being one of them. In fact, they annexed Bosnia only six years prior to this, and this angered those young Serbian Slavs. They felt like the non-Slavic Austro-Hungarian Empire had no right to rule over Bosnia. By the way, Sarajevo, the place where the Archduke's parade is going to happen, that's in Bosnia. And to make matters worse, the date of the parade was June 28th, a date in Slavic history where Serbia had lost two wars, Serbia being where these assassins were from. In the second of these wars, Serbia actually lost its independence. So having a parade of the military that is occupying the Slavic nation on a date that the Slavs lost two wars felt like it was rubbing salt in the wound. The young Serbians decided they would assassinate the Crown Prince of Austria-Hungary, Franz Ferdinand. Now, I'll take this time to explain who the Archduke Franz Ferdinand was. He was the son of the elderly current ruler of the Austro-Hungarian Empire and would soon take over himself, kind of like Prince Charles and the Queen for us. However, unlike Prince Charles, who is in more of a ceremonial position, the Austro-Hungarian emperors had actual power within their country, so clearly this was a huge loss for them. What occurred next, on June 28, 1914, is a series of chaotic coincidences and missteps are just incredible. It's the events like this when you can really understand where those conspiracy theories arise from. Just listen to this. The day of the Archduke's parade came round and the parade route was made public beforehand. This allowed the group of assassins, somewhere between 6 and 20, to position themselves along the route and wait. The open-topped car with Franz Ferdinand and his wife exposed drove along the planned route, which was a huge security misstep. The assassins, positioned on the road, stood and waited for his car to pass. The first two members of the group of assassins decided to withhold their assassination attempts because there were too many Slavs around. Remember, they are Slavic themselves. The third assassin, however, threw a grenade at the car in the hopes of killing Franz Ferdinand and his wife. In an amazing feat of skill and athleticism, the Archduke saw the grenade and ducked behind his car door. The grenade bounced off the bonnet of the car and went under the next in the convoy, where it blew up, injuring two of the Archduke's men. The assassins watched in horror as the Archduke's car was sped away. They thought the day was over. They felt defeated. The assassin that had thrown the grenade bit into a cyanide pill and jumped into a river. However, the cyanide was defective and it only made him vomit. The police quickly arrested him, while the other assassins all slinked away into the crowd. Meanwhile, the Archduke was in the town centre, giving a speech to the mayor, complaining about the reception that he had been given in the city. The Archduke then supposedly demanded to go to the hospital and visit his men that had been injured by the grenade meant for him. So the Archduke and convoy set off to hospital. 
it was decided en route that they would take a different route to the original for safety reasons. But unfortunately, the driver didn't know this, and he took a wrong turn, heading back down the original route. This mistake, possibly the most influential mistake in modern history, that alone shows the power that one man can have. Once the driver's mistake had been spotted, he was commanded to turn the car around, and as the driver was stopping the car to reverse and turn back, he stopped in front of one of the assassins. He stopped feet away from Gavrilo Princip. The assassin had seen his target speed away, and now he saw his target drive right up to him and stop a few feet away. He takes out his pistol and fires two shots, one killing the Archduke and one killing his wife. As the car quickly reversed, a thin stream of blood spurted from his highness's mouth onto my right cheek. As I was pulling out my handkerchief to wipe the blood away from his mouth, the Duchess cried out, For God's sake, what has happened to you? I said. At that, she stood off the seat and lay on the floor of the car with her face between his knees. I had no idea that she too was hit and thought she had simply fainted with fright. Then I heard his Imperial Highness say, Sophie, Sophie, don't die. Stay alive for the children. At that, I seized the Archduke by the collar of his uniform to stop his head drooping forward and asked him if he was in great pain. He answered me quite distinctly, It is nothing. His face began to twist somewhat, but he went on repeating six or seven times, ever more faintly as he gradually lost consciousness. It is nothing. Then came a brief pause, followed by a convulsive rattle in his throat, caused by a loss of blood. This ceased on arrival at the governor's residence. The two unconscious bodies were carried into the building, where their deaths were soon established. End quote. That shot on that day killed one person, the Archduke of Austria-Hungary, Franz Ferdinand. However, over the next 100 years, that shot has killed more people than any shot ever. That shot is the shot that killed 100 million people. If you have enjoyed this podcast, then please head over to History Highlights YouTube channel, where I have created an accompanying video for these podcasts, full of information that can't be delivered through sound, such as pictures, diagrams and maps. Thank you for listening to this episode of History's Highlights.